Everybody, welcome to an aftermath episode of Not Your Father's Movies. We are here at the end of our Disney remake trilogy. We have watched six movies to talk uh, about. <laughs> I am I am so happy we're finally here. I I love Disney movies. They're so good. But it's time Maybe to be done. an adult again. Oh my gosh, I'm so done with this. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really happy for the the amount of uh, things we've been able to talk about, you know, amongst each other. But like, guys, remember other movies? <laughs> I don't. I don't think there's anything other than animated and then remakes. Yes, it's, yes. it's just animated remakes. I, I cannot wait to watch a here. movie and then immediately after I finish that movie, uh, watch it again, but different <laughs> and new, um, but not that different. <laughs> Man. <laughs> uh so we're just here it's kind of a kick it episode you know we're going to give you a little bit of shorter one um this week and just sort of wrap up some of our thoughts uh about this trilogy because we left a lot of stuff on the cutting room floor we left a lot of stuff uh out in the dark we didn't talk about a lot that we wanted to talk about simply because the episodes just got really unwieldy they got really long um we had a lot of stuff to say and it took a bit <laughs> uh but I think that we, what we want to jump into with this aftermath is really just our, our last uncollected thoughts um, about sort of the format itself, about these animated classics and then how Disney has chosen to remake them. Um, and then also about some stuff that maybe we just forgot to mention and we wanted to bring up. Um, so I think what we want to launch right into is um, what do we think these remakes need to do? Um, I'm going to go first here. Uh, this was This was one of my questions. Um, so there's been a lot of these, uh, we've seen Aladdin, we've seen Lady and the Tramp, we've seen Pete's Dragon, we've seen Jungle Book, we've seen Lion King, we've seen Mulan, um, which is maybe a, a one we'll, we're going to revisit in the future. Um, they've all done different sort of things. Uh, they've tried to take the solo material and then run with it. Um, sorry, the original material and run with it. They tried to just do it again. We saw that with Lion King. Um, it's the same movie animated differently. Um, with some changes that were worse. And then we saw it with Jungle Book, there were some changes specifically to the songs and the story stayed essentially the same. The scene order stayed the same. Um, we've seen some different interpretations, like Pete's Dragon is a lot different. Um, we've seen some pretty straightforward, kind of boring remakes like uh, Lady and the Tramp. Um, and we've seen ones that just kind of go a little bit off the wall, like with the 101 Dalmatians, essentially the same story, radically different films. Um, so Disney has tried everything they could do for decades to figure out how they can mine their gold mine of classics and make them fresh and new for a new audience. And they've done a fairly good job at sort of calculating how that would work. I mean, the box office receipts tell the story. Um, but I think this is what I think. I want to hear what you guys think. I think that going forward, what they need to do is really try and take a, a more of a ground up reimagining of these stories. I think when Disney remakes work best, they work best like Cinderella um, where it is the same story that, you know, but there's so much more depth that's mined from it. You really dig into the emotionality of the characters, the history, um, the actual narrative itself, and just try and flesh that out, make it bigger, make it deeper, make it better. That seems to be where the strength lies and where they should go. Yeah. Um, Jesse, what do you think? Yeah, I think you just about nailed it. Like Cinderella is by far the best I've seen. And the reason is because the story is, it's still the same, but this time I understand the characters more and yeah, everything is more fleshed out and bigger and better. 
and it's I think well, it has to do with it being a live action movie, right? If you're watching a cartoon, you don't need a fleshed out Cinderella. You can just put her on screen, have her sing her little songs and ditties. Kids love it, and that's the end of the that's the end of the story. But like live action remakes, I think are should be targeted more towards adults rather than kids. So it's okay to make an, a more adult story, but still not lose the magic of the original. And that is a tough balance to, uh, to achieve. Um, you know, it, it's funny. I was reading some stuff that they were talking about Lion King and about how Lion King was going to like go into more about like the, the trauma that Simba undergoes and all that. But that's what John Favreau says. And it's like, dude, I, I didn't see that at all. Like if you had done that, that, might have made a better movie. I, I'm not sure if it would have saved that because it it's still at the end of the day basically still a cartoon. It's not yes. really live action, uh, and I think that's maybe where it even really falls short. Um, but yeah, with live action movies, I just want I just want to know how real people would deal with all these crazy situations that people are in, and I want that explained to me how they are real people and what their characters are a little more. So, yeah, I, I'm basically on the same play, page as you, Vito. Uh, how about you, Mike? I think I agree with you guys. Um, I, I think the only thing that I'd add to it is just uh, I kind of get the feeling that with the older animated movies, they didn't really realize how much of an impact um, they would they would have on people uh, emotionally and how these would be kind of the baseline stories for a lot of people and, and how they viewed the world and everything. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think, it sounds like we're, we all agree that Cinderella is maybe the best version of, of all of them. Although 101 Dalmatians is pretty fun and fantastic. <laughs> <you know>. um, <laughs> uh, but one of the things that makes it so wonderful is that it, uh, it, you know, it's grown up to a degree in that it uh, it's very clear about the moral world that, that it's in and, and that it's trying to convey to the viewer who is a child. Um, and I think that that is is a good thing for it to do, but it, it does it in a way that doesn't like you know hit you over the head with it. It doesn't. It's not trying to I don't know say something that's you know very specific to this moment. Um, it's it's timeless in the way that that fairy tales are timeless, um, and in a way that you know Cinderella from from the uh, the, the original Cinderella isn't exactly timeless. It's timeless because it happened and everyone knows it. And it's this really, you know, fun Tom and Jerry, you know, feature length film. <laughs> um, and it's got like these songs and stuff. And, and uh, yeah, I think that's the only thing that I, I'd add to that is, mm-hmm. is just, you know, threading the needle of uh, giving a really good moral and know that you actually have to give a moral um, or you are giving a moral in these stories, uh, no matter what you, you want to do um, and uh, doing it well. It's the only thing I'd add. I think it's good. Um, so, so looking forward into the future, then um, imagining yourself, you know, you being you, uh, I don't know, 10, 15 years down the line. Um, how have these movies kind of aged? Um, I think that looking at what we have, and I'm even going to say this about the Cinderella remake, even though I think it's, it's much superior as a movie, as a story to that OG Cinderella. Um, I honestly think these remakes are going to suffer 
Um, Because while Cinderella is probably the best example of any of them in terms of recapturing some of the magic um, and also expanding upon it, making it broader and better. um, I think that some of that animated Disney quality is still going to be prescient. It is prescient and it will still be important in the future. And I think that um, unfortunately, at least I think for this live action Cinderella, I think it will be more forgotten, even though it is superior uh, to its, its predecessor. Um, I'm very, it ain't so. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it is. <laughs> I, I just think that like thinking back on the, the ballroom scene, the dancing scene um, with Prince Charming that she has it. The animation is so stunning. The emotions are mm. so on the screen. Um, like that movie is not a very good movie, but that 10 minutes there of when she goes to the ball and then meeting the prince and she steps out and they close the curtain and they're dancing in the night and it goes from them talking and sitting and, and, and then she runs away. It's just so magical and perfect. Um, and I, I can't think of any moment in any of the remakes that captures that Disney brand that is just so transcendent on film, you know? So I think that all of these remakes, I think, are, are going to wane a little bit. Um, that That's my impression. Um, and I'm very happy if that's true for many of these remakes. I mean, I hope this Lion King one is just forgotten and thrown away <laughs> Kobe into the trash. Uh, and, but... But but I don't want to ignore the good things that some of the good remakes are doing. Uh, what do you guys think? I think that's fair. I think whenever you do something with people, um, it's going to be a product of its time. And it, time moves on, man. Um, something that just is always going to be true for some reason about animated films is that they, uh, they're, they're able to be timeless because they aren't people, mm-hmm. um, oh. which is kind of weird. But I think it's true. I think you're right. Yeah. What do you think, yeah. Jesse? I, yeah, I think you're on to something. Um, like, especially after watching 101 Dalmatians, like that movie is just so quintessentially 90s. Um, so, like, I, I wonder if maybe like 10, 15 years from now, somebody is going to watch a live action remake and be like, oh, that is so like 2010s. Um, yeah. yeah. Like, I. I I don't think Cinderella actually suffers from that. Although I will say at the end of the day, I think you're right, Vito. I think like it's been five, I think five, six years. It's been five years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I haven't heard anything about it. Like I had never seen it until we did this podcast even. And everybody, everybody I like mentioned it to like, oh yeah, we're doing a podcast with Cinderella. Everybody basically like, oh really? Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Like I was mentioning it to somebody and they were just like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. And someone was like, oh, yeah, I think Kenneth Branagh did that. Really? Kenneth Branagh did that? And then it was like, it was, it, it's just such a, it's more of a hidden movie. It's not a big showy movie like The Lion King is. So I think if there's any hope for Cinderella, that it becomes kind of like a, a cult classic. And I think it has a potential to be that. There is enough uh, there's enough in there that I think can, it, it's just such a classic fairy tale that I think can escape being part of the 2010s. Whereas I don't think the lion King escapes that at all. I think everybody's going to be like, yep, that's when they were trying doing all these live action movies. And for whatever reason, they thought an animated movie should be 
a live action remake of another animated movie and that'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I think, I think actually they're going to age sort of like the 1996 101 Dalmatians mm-hmm. did in, in as mm-hmm. much as like, if there's a showy thing about it, like the thing about 101 Dalmatians in 1996 was that it's such a showy Glenn Close role. Um, she brings so much to that movie. Like you watch the movie to see Glenn Close. Like you don't give a shit about the story. You just want to see this legendary actor chew scenery. And I think that's, that's not really the reputation I think that Cinderella is going to have. I think honestly, it's kind of more like what you're saying is there's going to be a steady following that's going to be built up over the years about people that have seen it and really enjoy it. But there's nothing really to draw you to that movie. Otherwise there's, I mean, Kate Blanchett is doing a lot, um, but she's not doing Glenn Close as Cruella DeVille a lot, you know? Yeah. It's Uh, close. No, I don't think it's close. Glenn Close. No, no, Glenn Close. Glenn Close is Sorry. overacting. It's just a bad joke. Every scene. It's just a bad joke. I know. I know. Because <laughs> now I have to address it seriously. Yeah, um, so, I, okay, I I like that that we're we're sort of in a little bit of an agreement about that, even if it's um, you I, know, a I, sad agreement. I do want to just add though. I think it might age the way that like Much Ado About Nothing that Kenneth Branagh did age because it's like this is definitely which has old... also been forgotten. Yeah, but it's still like you watch it and it's like, oh, this is a really beautiful movie. Like this is, I, I'm really glad I watched that again. Well, I think, I think actually Kenneth Branagh has a couple like that. He did uh, is a movie that I, I very much enjoy and is, is actually about fatherhood and maybe a stay tuned mm-hmm. if we're going to do it. But he did uh, How to Kill Your Neighbor's Dog, um, which is one of my favorites that he's ever done. Um, and it's a movie that has a very small following um, that has grown a little bit as people look back over Kenneth Branagh's career, um, I think it really does fall into that camp. And I think actually maybe it's in a much smaller range than much to do about nothing, but is comparable in as much as no one talks about much to do about nothing, because if you just wait 10 years, someone else is going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think like right now he's really high profile because it's like, Oh, death on the Nile, right. Mm-hmm. Um, Murder on the Orient Express or his, uh, his unfortunate turd, uh, Artemis Fowl. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I can't believe you messed that up, dude. That was a, a franchise handed to you on a silver, on a, <laughs> on a gold platter. It, it was handed to you. Millions of dollars were given to you and you did that. Um, but it, rest <laughs> case. Um, All right. But, but going, to be fair, he also did Thor. Right. Which I like Thor a lot. I think Thor is yeah. actually pretty successful. Thor, Thor is all right. But if you think of the original, like phase one of the MCU, it's it's clearly one of the weakest, maybe, maybe being beaten out by the Incredible Hulk. Maybe. It's it's very much being beaten out by the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, that's the worst one. And I like that movie a ton. I mean, spoiler no one is surprised that I like that movie a lot, but I do. It's a bad movie and you don't like it. Oh surprise. Um, no, but, but uh, it's not, uh, yeah, I, I do enjoy Thor, but it's like it's, it's the like, worst it's the worst next to that one. Yeah, it's still like a huge blockbuster. I Personally, I don't think Kenneth Branagh knows what to do with lots of CGI and blockbusters. Like, I just, I don't and think he knows like, what to do. And people like keep handing him that. People are like, just keep doing it. And he's like, I don't know what to do. Stop it. Have you seen like Henry V and stuff? Yeah. Like, that's what I do. Yes. I like Shakespeare. <laughs> and like, we'll do Thor. He goes, well, here's Thor King Lear style. <laughs> do you like that? Is that good for you? Is this what we all want? <laughs> no one wants that. that. Of course they don't. I told you that. But we um, need it to be a comedy. Oh, all right. Yeah. Is like, Thor King Lear the comedy? Yes, it's Thor King Lear the comedy. That, that's what it is. Yeah. 
I don't um, watch a movie called King Lear the Comedy. So I, I don't I don't think these will age well. Uh, I think we're all kind of in agreement with that, and that's unfortunate. Um, but I would hope that maybe, I mean, I, I say this given that, you know, this is uh, this is September 2020 that we're recording this in. We have seen Mulan do fairly good business on Disney Plus and, and kind of tank in China, not terribly tank, not do very well. And it really should do well. It's it's a, it's an all Asian cast. Um, it's directed by a, an Asian filmmaker. It has a lot of Asian crew. This really should be a, a grand slam if Disney is trying to get into the Chinese or other international markets. And while it has done good business, it hasn't done the business they wanted. And I think really when we look back on the reception of Mulan, and we, I can't wait till we talk about it because Mulan's a movie I like a lot, the animated one. Um, I think we're going to view this as kind of a resounding meh. Um, which is exactly how I received Lion King, even though maybe it was a little bit more vitriolic um, in my response. <laughs> but that's really how I feel about a lot of these newer remakes. I mean, there's a Lady in the Tramp remake that I have not made time to watch. It's on Disney+. Plus. Um, I just don't care now because it kind of feels like they don't care. And at least with 101 Dalmatians, there was a new idea for a new direction. They, they seem to give a shit about doing something new. Yeah. And with Cinderella it seemed like they gave it to a competent filmmaker who dug deep into fairy tale, into lore, into legend, mm -hmm. into what people like to see. And yeah. he tried to generate that product. Um, what do you think, Jesse? Yeah, I, I would, I would watch 101 Dalmatians any day of the week, rather than having to rewatch a Lion King. Like, <laughs> like I, you know, when we did that podcast, I, I thought I liked the the live action Lion King more than I did. But the more I think about it, the more I'm like, I really never want to see it again. <laughs> I never, I never want to sit through that again. How mediocre. Oh yeah. my gosh. I don't think We're, anyone's going to watch it other than to say like, Hey, they had some pretty good uh, CGI back then. Great CGI. Take a look at it. Yeah. There you go. All right. Photo realistic. Uh, and, and by then it's going to be even more photorealistic. So no one's going to care. Um, and then, well, yeah, at least I think you're right. 101 Dalmatians, at least it was doing something different. It was trying to make comedy um, more centered around people than around the animals. And, and, you know, live action animals jumping around. They're they're cute. So at, at least they had all that going for it. Whereas, yeah, that that live action Lion King is just it's so bland. They they always it's too original. It's 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 too much of the same as the original. They need to mix it up a bit. You need that for a live action. You can't just have literally every aspect the exact same. And I know that's something that Disney struggles with because it's like, you know, people were hating at Mulan because Mushu is not in it. Right. And right. so you do have to walk a fine line of like, are you going to include those fantastical characters? Are we going to go with new story? Um, it just, so, if you're going to, if you're going to do something, you have to commit, yeah. you know, yeah. like I think, I think 101 Dalmatians commits it's like, this is really the Cruella movie. You know, it's really about her and she's going to chew the scenery and we're going to be focused on her and we're focused on Jeff Daniels and, and, and Jolie Richardson. Um, and then when you sort of get away from that, I have a take, you know, you need to have a take, you need to have an angle. So mm -hmm. with that in mind, um, what would we like to see? I, I, I have an answer for this. I would love to see a Black Cauldron remake. Uh, as as mm -hmm. I mean, the Black Cauldron is I think like number three or something of Alexander Lloyd's amazing uh, fantasy series that he wrote. Um, 
there's always been talks about going back to that well or that cauldron um, for <laughs> some existing IP that they could, they could mine. Um, but I think that that movie is so weird and so dark and, and it's not Gothic. It's, it's actually like almost horror. I mean, the, the, the skeleton King is really, really scary. Um, I think that there could be something there. There'd be some way that they could diversify their Disney brand and maybe push it up the next level. Like let's, let's form our own new IP, our own new ideas. Uh, I would love to see something like that, a, a new take, a little bit more horror, like make it a hard PG light PG 13. I know they're kind of doing this thing with Maleficent, but there they've done something really successful, which has taken an old kind of forgotten character from a movie that's been revered, but is not necessarily in the consciousness and updated her. It's a, it's a good move on their part. And I think though, that instead of doing a side thing where you just take a character out of context and tell their story, I think it really needs, we need a home run. We need a, it, it, it locks the gates, you know, it, it smashes the fences. We need a Disney live action remake that is better than the original in every single way. That is the step forward. And Cinderella has gotten as close as anyone else has. The only thing I would say that it's missing is it's missing the feeling of the original movie. And I think that the Black Cauldron is the easiest one to recapture that feeling, that extra like oomph to get your audience on board with it, to keep it in the consciousness for a long time. Because while Cinderella is great, as we've talked about and as we've seen in the internet, it's kind of been forgotten. Yeah. And that's unjust. It's a great movie. But I think that that's what that's missing to get it to that next level. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think? Either of you go. I'm good with that take. I mean, I think that that's, that's probably true, um, that that's a really good one to remake um, and to bring it to the next level for sure. I've always thought that it would be fun to see. I mean, they've remade it. Different people have remade it a million times, but I would love to see a remake of Peter Pan, another remake mm. of Peter Pan. Um, after Joe Wright's 2015 disaster, I don't know. They're all disasters in my book. But the one where Rooney Mara plays the the Native American girl, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I I I'm a big fan of the book, yes. as well. And I'd love to just see. I mean, I think you could remake the Disney Peter Pan in kind of the same way that um, that they remade Cinderella, where it's like, hey, let's uh, let's go to the actual story. Let's let's make this into into something because. The animated film, which I love a lot because I saw it like every day as a kid. Right. Um, is uh, it's it's not the story at all. Um, the real story is or the, or the book that Jane Barry wrote is a lot more like bloody um, mm -hmm. and uh, deals with stuff in a weird way, just like he was dealing with a lot of stuff in a weird way, as we saw in the excellent Finding Neverland. I agree. Um, when he wrote that book. Uh but um, but yeah, I think that would be a fun one to to see to see done really well. What, what about you, Jesse? Yeah, what do you want to see, man? Yeah. Well, first off, Black Cauldron Disney series would be amazing. I really want to see that. I want to see all five of those plus some spinoff shows. That would be awesome. I think right. they could. I honestly don't know why they haven't done that already. That could be the Disney Lord of the Rings. And it's, it's too it's too obscure. It's it's really it's kind of a deep fantasy cut. I, like it's a classic, but honestly, a lot of people that have read fantasy have not read those, which is weird. Well, then it, it would be it would be considered like at this point a remake of the Black Cauldron, and people will go for it because of that. 
like I yeah, I think that could easily be done, and I really want them to. Um, and then live action Peter Pan, I guess I guess I would see. I've just been let down by Peter Pan so many times. Yeah, there's so many of them. Um, and it's kind of like seeing like another like a reboot of the Spider Man series, like with the yeah. same beginning. Because because we got we yeah. got Hook right, yeah. and then we had the one in 2003 or 2002 that was live action. Is that the I oh. do believe in fairies? I do. I do. Yes. Yeah. And so there's that one, that and so then much. there was the Pan, which is 2015. Joe Wright with with Hugh Jackman as Captain Hook. You know, I don't think I saw that one actually. It's not. It, it's actually pretty cool. It's oh, yeah. just not very good. Okay. Um, but like, so we've seen three different incarnations. Yeah. Three different ideas. Three different ways you could go about this. And honestly, even though I don't like it very much, I know, I know, I hate me on the internet, but uh, I don't like Hook very much, and it's the best Peter Pan movie since Peter Pan. Um. Yeah. That 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 sucks. This this is ripe. Yeah. But but yeah. what's your what's your uh, pick? It, but my pick is uh, kind of a, a more forgotten movie from at least my childhood, uh, Atlantis. Uh, oh, the Lost yeah. Empire! Yeah, is that a Disney. It is. That, it that is. is a Disney movie. Could thought... you imagine a Disney sci-fi blockbuster? Because this movie, it's well, forgotten. I did, and it was John Carter, and it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> but this time, with some solid source material. I would um, love that. That would be and, awesome, dude. And frankly, they could change that story up in so many ways, and nobody would care. Um, yeah, they could no have free. They could have free reign with the story that has like, where you could still have giant glass submarines. And oh, yeah. a lobster mech that comes out and attacks them, and then an underground city that. with all the crew, sick. all the crew politics, and all the politics going on in the city. You could have like a Game of Thrones esque sci fi fantasy world that Disney could romp around in. I'd love Steampunk. to see Steampunk. Oh, Steampunk yeah. Disney, dude. Yeah. I'm in. I'm in a yeah. hundred thousand percent. No, Atlantis. Atlantis Bezos kicked, percent. kicked so much ass. <laughs> I, I I loved Atlantis so much. Like yeah. Atlantis. Treasure Planet, Titan AE, like I'm mm. down for that kind of animation. Oh, Give yeah. me that weirdo crazy shit. I kind of want to just see like another Atlantis. Yeah. Well, don't watch the sequel. It sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really does. <laughs> well, um, all right. I think these are all good picks. I think we've actually kind of really nailed down um, Disney. If you're listening, uh, we're available. <laughs> um, I think we really have nailed down though. I mean, as Free consumers, as, as truly the, the, the buyers of the market, you know, cause we're not really the audience, but we're the ones that can secure the content for the audience. <laughs> we can, we secure the audience and the content exactly. for the audience. We do all, we, so much work for Disney. We're the connectors. We're the middlemen. We are. Yeah. Fathers are middlemen. <laughs> middle That's basically what we are. We get the kids and we get the movies and we get the kids with the movies and we put them in the same room and we see what happens. Exactly. Uh, and, and what I've seen is that kids bored as shit by remakes. Kids love the originals. Disney, we can help you with this giant divide. Um, so I, I think that's a good a good way to go out because this is a continuing conversation. I think that we will revisit this topic in future episodes. Um, Disney's obviously not going to stop making them. Yeah, they're not going to stop the cynical cash grab. No, I mean hopefully you know less cynical. But we, I mean, we would hope. I would hope that we get something as sterling and sincere as Cinderella down the pipeline. But honestly, like I'm just looking at it right now and we're going to do like Mulan and Lady and the Tramp next. And it's like, Oh, I don't want to do those. <laughs> oh, oh, we don't have to. We don't have to. <laughs> um, 
But uh, I think just in closing down this chapter of this podcast, uh, I want to open the floor mostly to Jesse and Mike about some of their last thoughts, uh, last little things that I had to say, um, just because I had the shortest ones. It's just uh, um, I love different remakes. I love different originals. Um, when a remake is bad, I am as angry as anyone could be about how being reminded how cynical and huge a company like Disney is and what they have to do to be, what they have to do to run and bring in revenue. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when it's good, I am just like everyone else. I'm, I'm swept up in the magic of Disney because really sometimes when that castle comes up on my screen and it says Disney, I am transported when I was a kid. And my last thoughts are, this is a company that I hate and a company that I love. Um, and I, I hope that going forward, they make, more ethical, creative, and sincere choices to create good content for fostering a new generation of imaginative people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that that that's those are my last thoughts. Uh, Mike or Jesse, who who wants to take it? So Jesse, go I, for it. I did have a last thought about Lion King. Um, there was something I forgot to mention. I I sort of started it. Uh, during the nostalgia phase, but it's it's an important scene to me. I want to talk about, and that is the scene where it's right after the light, the hyenas have attacked him, and uh, Mufasa comes, saves the day, and then they're walking back home. It's like night. Um, there's like no sound, and Mufasa calls Simba over in the most dad voice, dad voice ever. Simba, <laughs> Simba, uh, yeah. And as a kid, that that scene always just sent shivers down my spine. Cause it's like I know that voice. He's gonna get a talking to. There might be a spank involved. Uh, <laughs> uh, so like that that scene used to make me like kind of cringe. Like I I think that's partly why I connect so much with this movie. It's because there's stuff like that in there that just speaks so well to kids. And then um, right after he's called over, he puts his paw in a paw print that Mufasa had left. And like watching it as a kid, um, Simba's looking down and like shock and awe. And I remember knowing that feeling exactly like, oh, my dad is so much bigger than me. I used to literally, and this is very weird, but sometimes like stare at my dad's feet. Well, this is when I was like three or four. I don't know. I was playing on the ground doing my kid things. And then my dad was standing up and I'd see his feet. And I was like, Whoa, they're so massive. <laughs> like, there's, there's no way my feet are ever going to be this size. <laughs> it was, and then I would compare my finger with the size of one of his toes and be like, Whoa, that's worth like three of my finger. <laughs> How is this possible? Um, You're a giant. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And then, like, Simba has that same look in his eyes, like, oh, yeah, my dad is a giant. My dad, like, tore, tore down these hyenas and saved me. And then as an adult, um, watching it with my kids, that brought me back to, like, oh, I actually forgot that feeling. I forgot that feeling from my childhood where I am so unfathomably large to my children. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was, it was really cool for me to get those two different perspectives. Um, uh, and, and then that talk that they have where Mufasa starts out so stern, but he, you find out that he's scared. And I guess I didn't know that my father felt that way, 
because my father never had an opportunity to save me from hyenas. So he never had an opportunity to say that sort of stuff. But like as a kid, that was really important for me to know that like my dad would say that if it came down to this. Um, so yeah, I love that scene for that reason. Um, Beautiful. That, Do you have any other, any other uh, thoughts about the other two movies that we've done? I mean, sorry, no. the other four movies. <laughs> it's, well, it's five, really. I'm not talking about the live action. We're leaving the live action out of it. Yeah, so four other movies that are worth watching that we watched. Yeah, there's, there's nothing else as important as that. I think not to me anyway. Um, how about you, Mike? Anything? Yeah, I mean, I guess more like on a thematic level. Um, I uh, I I just want to say, you know what? It's kind of interesting. I don't think that we went about like choosing these movies because of this, but all, all three of them are very, you know, very much parent child relationships. Um, and then it's about that. And it's about kind of losing, losing those relationships at, at different points. Um, you know, Simba, I mean, Simba's the, the story of the Lion King is Simba. Simba's dad dies and, you know, he, goes and he grows off and he, he runs away from his problems and he grows up and comes back and fills, you know, fills the paw print of his father. Um, and that's, that's his path, which, you know, I think everyone, I, th- I think the reason why that movie is so resonant is because everyone feels that, especially, you know, especially men, especially guys, because when we grow up, we look at our fathers and we're like, wow, that's, that's what it means to be a man. And I'm going to be like that one day. I want to be like that one day. Yeah, um, it, it feels that way, especially like, you know, with three dads sitting here talking. Um, yeah. We all have, you know, very strong um, father figures or memories that we sort of compare ourselves to as we develop um, and as we are now. And we're always, at least for me, I'm talking for myself here, um, always comparing myself to um, where they were when they were my age or where I want to be. And, that is a very strong thing. I, I don't, I don't know if it's uniquely male, um, but I know that in a uniquely male way, I, I put a lot of that pressure on myself and, and Jesse's right. in pointing out that scene is like, that's a very, that's a very big scene for me as a kid. I can only imagine, um, you know, my, my daughter, um, might feel that way about me or about, about my wife, um, when, when she gets of that age. So, I think I think it is uniquely male, and as much as we are men talking about it, but I think it's also I think it's just uniquely That's, childlike. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I, I, I see the way that, that your daughters look at you, Mike, and and I see the stuff that they that you do that like blows their minds. You know, you blow their mind every day with the stuff that you're able to do, and every one of us yeah. that has kids or yeah. is around children blows those kids' minds all the time it's the most ego-stroking thing to do is to have kids it's great i mean i was just walking down the beach with my daughter and there are these these kids that were using driftwood to make like a little structure and uh the kids saw me walking by they saw me stop and look and my daughter was watching them and they were trying to three of them they were about you know i don't know a foot tall uh they were all trying to stack this log and to make a little a little roof and they one of them ran up to me and said hey can you help me and I went over and I picked up the log that the three of them couldn't pick up and I picked it up and I just put it down for them where they wanted it. And they were just so thankful and so grateful. But it's, it's that idea of, of, you know, what you're saying, Jesse, you know, we're, we're, we're literal giants in their world. Yeah. Um, yeah. But as giants and, you know, talking about these mythical kind of figures and the way that our kids, all kids think about adults, um, 
you know, it, it's fairy like. There's something magical, uh, yeah. legendary about. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, folkloric. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, I that's that's absolutely true. And, and I guess in reflecting on on each of the movies, um, kind of together, you know, we we talked about them and we thought about them. At least I thought about them when I was when I was you know prepping and stuff for our conversations. Um, I was thinking about like, oh, like, like this is so good for kids because it's so, showing that and showing this. It's good for me. Like, it's good for me <laughs> as a dad to see like, yeah. oh, yeah, like this is, you know, these are the things that I want to be doing with my kids. I want to be taking them aside and having these conversations. I want to be having fun with them. Um, I want to be showing them how to grow into being a, a good person. Um, and, uh, you know, we see that yeah. in in very different ways in all three movies um, because they have very different, you know, traumatic things happening. One's kidnapping with 101 Dalmatians and uh, you know, with Cinderella, she's an orphan. But with all of that, the one relationship that I feel like we really didn't talk about at all was uh, Cinderella's relationship with her mother in the 2015 uh, version of that. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I, I, I feel like that's really, really important and kind of short, short shrift that we didn't talk about it. Um, because it's very much defining to her character is, um, you know, there we, we see a portrayal that I think we don't really see very much the way that, uh, the daughter looks up to her mother, um, and wants to be like her mother. Um, her mother's so brave in the face of death and, and, uh, is always trying to, to you know, have courage and be kind. And she sort of teaches Cinderella the thing that's kind of the, the essential aspect of her character is to see the world as not as it is, but as it could be um, to see a little bit of magic in it, uh, which is both, you know, a wonderful nod to the original, but also a really wonderful um, thing to, to kind of convey to, to the audience um, and to like my daughters who are watching this movie um, and it's just, it, it, it's actually, you know, a lens that I, I now see my wife's relationship with my daughters through, um, is what I think, uh, I think, I think it's doing, I think that was just a very, um, profound sort of portrayal that, uh, you know, it, it's a very short part of the movie. And then after she dies, her relationship with her father, you know, it, it kind of, it, it develops and, and he kind of loses, loses himself, which I think was, was very sad. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's primarily what I wanted to sort of bring up and, and mention that relationship and, and how well done it was in the film. Do you have any thoughts about that, Jesse? Uh, no, I, I think you just about, well, I think you just about nailed part of what makes Cinderella such a good story and such a good fairy tale. Um, well, yeah, she has such a good relationship with her parents. It is so, it's not just, uh, it's not just a parent child relationship. It, it goes above and beyond. It's, it's a fairy tale one. Like she doesn't just have a good childhood. She has the best childhood any child could possibly have. And it's taken away from her. Um, and that really sets up the rest of the movie. And again, I think that's, it explains that character so well. Uh, yeah, I think that's what separates Cinderella as a live action movie from the rest of the pack is that explaining of a character so thoroughly and fleshing that out. 
Yeah, I agree. Do you have uh, Do you have any other last thoughts, Mike? Um, I could say a million things, but uh, I, I think that's probably all I've got for tonight. Okay. Uh, Jesse, any closing? I am... I, I've liked the movies, but I would I'm gonna be so happy to to watch a serious adult film instead of a live action remake of of a movie that I liked. Well well also having just watched the animated one. That's really what I'm I'm about is I, I would like to not spend three to four hours every week watching Disney movies. That would be really nice. That's weird. I don't understand you. I just, <laughs> I just bring on some some crazy dramatic human interaction or something that yeah. doesn't involve computer generated images or so, animation. So what are we going to use as eye bleach, guys? What are we going <laughs> yeah. to use to to get rid of all of this this sincerity and well and animation? I, I think what we're going to do is we're actually going to jump into uh, into a different kind of sincerity. We're jumping into. Uh, preview for some stuff that we've already recorded and done and we're gonna go into not your grandfather's movies room drama segment all right so our next three episodes will be 12 angry men to kill a mockingbird and a man for all seasons um i don't know if that needed a drum roll or anything it's it's these are movies that we are 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 passionate about subject material we're passionate about want to talk about them uh we have recorded a little bit out of order so if we act like we haven't announced them uh that's why um (laughs) but uh i hope you can bear with us and i hope that you have enjoyed the conclusion of our second trilogy It's out. We're done. It's over, baby. Oh, thank goodness. Congratulations to all of us. This was a long one. <laughs> Hooray. This is the last time that that any of us suggest doing six movies in three episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm excited for the episode we do every Marvel movie ever made. Oh, <laughs> can't wait for that 25 episode series. <laughs> I... I, I seriously want that to be just one episode, one episode of all of us talking about our favorite superhero movies, because I there's no way there's no way we're going to sit around and talk about Thor and Iron Man for an hour and a half. I mean, I'd sit around and talk about Iron Man for an hour and a half, but I don't know about Thor. I mean, I could sit around and talk for an hour and a half about like a bucket. <laughs> I'm sure I can make something up. I would ask you what kind of bucket, but that's how we get in your trap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Wait, is it wait. steel? No, what Jesse, kind? don't, 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 don't. What kind of bucket? Mike? Don't, no, no. <laughs> what kind of bucket do you want me to be? <laughs> uh, As Lucretius said, a broken pitcher is no good. So here we are. (laughs) Here we are at the end of our second trilogy. Uh, We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, As always, please get in touch with us about anything we can do. Look to our outro for any of those links that you might need. Now, next time we see you, we talk to you, you hear from us. It will be talking about 12 Angry Men. And so for Not Your Father's Movies, at the conclusion of our Disney trilogy, I am Vito. I'm Mike. I'm Jesse. Good night. Hey everyone, this is Mike from Not Your Father's Movies. Thank you so much for listening. If you've got any questions on tonight's episode, thoughts on movies that should or should not be in the dad canon, and most importantly, things Vito got wrong, we'd literally love to hear from you. 
Shoot us an email with anything you got at notyourfathersmovies at gmails.com. That's notyourfathersmovies at gmail.com. And if that's not enough for you and you want more ways to listen to us, reach us, share us, and support us, check out our website at nyfm.podbean.com. That's nyfm.podbean.com. Shout out to Max Agros for our sick theme music. Thank you, Max, and thank you all again for listening to us. Have a great night. 